today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. Today, I have with me our one of our associate pastors, Cade Morrison. Welcome to the show, brother. I'm glad to be here. Well, if y'all haven't yet had a chance to get to know Kata today, we're going to uh, roast him a little bit, kind of get to know what he likes, and uh, he's, I'll tell you what, I call him our resident redneck pastor. It's true. Camo, <laughs> camo's a regular for me. Cam, camo's kind of my favorite color. So Yeah, it's a good color. I think it'll be in heaven. So. <laughs> it will be more vibrant. I know that, <laughs> yeah. in heaven. Yep. And uh, anyway, well, hey, listen, so thanks for coming on the show. Today, we're talking about uh, serving. You know, this is something inside the church that's, and I think just in people in general, don't know how to serve, don't know, think they have the time to serve, and, and don't understand what serving really is. Um, but before we get into any of that, I kind of want to talk a little bit about you, man. What do you want to know, well, Trent Taylor? Well, I know that there are people that do not know you that go to our church. They see you rolling around, you know, <laughs> somebody, you know, is hitting the deck over there, you know, you're calling yeah. 911, stuff like I that. Do, I do do this stuff like that in the back. Yes, it's very true. So, Well, all right. Tell us tell us a little bit. So how long have you been uh, at the Church of Bushland? I will be there two years in June this year. Is so it really it, two years? It's two years, man. So it'll be two years in June that I've been there. So Golly, um, yeah. We moved right when the housing market went crazy in Amarillo um, and we honestly tried to get our kids into Bushland district, they were too full. And so my, we live in the Olson neighborhood. My kids go to Olson. I've got a freshman in Amarillo high. And then my other three are in Olson elementary um, in Amarillo ISD. So we do like Amarillo ISD. So shout out to Amarillo ISD. Well, there you go. So, there, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm a product of the panhandle, man. I grew up yep. in Amarillo, Puckett elementary. Crockett, you're a Puckett boy. I, don't uh, know. I, I was absolutely a Puckett boy. Crockett, huh? I actually at uh, Puckett Elementary, I'm pretty sure there's still a plaque with my name on the wall for the most licks. Or, you know, <laughs> if you don't, not, you not know, force, force. You know, yeah, that's back uh, when corporal punishment was still allowed. Yeah. And I, uh, I was a regular. In fact, uh, the principal there, his name was Bill Hill. He's actually a cool dude. You liked him. I know he's a hunter because he kept a gun over in the corner. <laughs> See, this is kind of dating myself a little bit. But he also smoked Wait, a pot. He kept a gun in the corner at school. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he had a rifle over there. That's, I mean, that's legit. Yeah. No. See, this is these were the good old days. You know, I was afraid of my principal. Okay. Um, and he was a good guy though. I will say so. But one one time, like I don't remember exactly what I did this for, but he smoked a pipe. <laughs> okay. And I went into the office and I was in trouble. I can't remember what I was in trouble for. I was always something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sitting there, man, and I thought I just kind of scared, nervous, because I knew I was fixing to get, you know, some whoopings. It's coming for you. It's coming, but he's over there smoking his pipe, but man, I'm getting all dizzy, and I'm like, man, I just must be really nervous. <laughs> you know, what is that pipe smoke? I remember after, I didn't even feel the licks, man. I was <laughs> I was all dizzy and high. Anyway, I remember walking back to class, and at the very end of the hall, I had these double doors, and everything was kind of like sideways like yeah. this. <laughs> So yeah. first pipe smoke, huh? It has my first pipe smoke right there. Secondhand now, smoke. Now you're an elder in the church. I, hey, know, so. I used to sit in the you know principal's office and smoke pot. <laughs> At least the secondhand part of it. I don't think this this is starting out good. Is uh, it? Probably, I don't know. Hey, listen. One thing you know, I try to be as transparent as possible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, all right. So you know, you like uh, you, you, I know you're into hunting. I am big time. We've not yet done a hunt together, but tell me, uh, what do you like to hunt? I like to hunt birds. Probably is my favorite. Um, horn hunting's expensive, yeah. So it's it an is. expensive uh, thing to do, and so and finding land and access to do those things. I grew up in Dalhart, Texas, so pheasant hunting's always um, been something that I really didn't get into hunting though till probably um, when I moved to Stanette and became a pastor because most of the people around there hunt, and so that's when I got pretty heavy in it. I got a dog, and then my dad had some. Um, just has some farmland that we hunt and bird hunting just hooked me. So wasn't it you that talk, told me about these uh, sandhill cranes talking about the ribeye of the sky? Pre they're prehistoric, man. So the ribeye of the sky, it's like 
I've heard and they taste so good. When they hit the ground, when you shoot them, it is great. It's like you you killed a dinosaur, man. So they're they're, they're mean, mean, mean. Are so they? <laughs> I don't take my dog with those because you, your dog's supposed to wear goggles because they'll poke his eye out if they're still alive. And they're they're mean, man. So, uh, but they're they're some of the funnest hunts. Me and my boys have gotten to hunt those, and they, they're fun. I just got a lesson on Sandhill Crane. I had no no idea, but I knew yes. that I've heard they tasted good, but I didn't know about yeah, all that other. They're not nice, so they will they will claw you. They will get you. So you want to make sure they're dead. But they are a cool bird to shoot. So, what's your favorite hunt you've been on? It was probably. I did go on an elk hunt this year that was incredible, but two years ago I got to take my two boys, and it's the first time we've ever gotten to go um, elk hunting, um, and we went into Chama, New Mexico, uh, through a connection I had at the church that I was currently serving as the head pastor in, and just me and my boys hunting this elk for three days and actually getting to call and bugle and not knowing fully what we're doing and him still responding and coming out and it was incredible come out of the aspens and he bugles one more man time. that's and, so cool and so my 12 year old i was honestly i was probably more nervous than he was because i he he was going to get to shoot him and so as he came out i was i had the binoculars and i my hands were shaking and i was just in awe of this creature that yeah. god creates yeah. it's incredible like you're not it's not one of those moments where after you shoot an elk, you're not like, it's not like a high five moment. There's this majestic thing that happens. It's just this respect. Oh, I, I totally understand. It, I it totally understand. Like, it's just all, you're in awe. Of but they're it. such a beautiful animal too, man. To see them yeah. up close even. They're, they're just And crazy. then the rack on them once you get up there compared if you've been hunting deer your whole life and you walk yeah. up on an elk. And their meat's good, but I mean, Creed was so much more chill than I was because I kind of got stalled in the moment and. He's like, I got a shot between the Aspens. Can I kill him? And I'm like, I wasn't even ready, you know. And he was, <laughs> he was ready at 12 years old and got him the first shot. And so that was just the memories that were great. Titus was with me, and he's a little bitty, and they're, we're all together with that. And so just that's really cool, man. Nowhere, so with your boys, yep. Well, man, that's a good story. Well, tell me this. So uh, you said you grew up in Dalhart, mm -hmm. um, and you got into ministry. Tell me how you got into ministry. So uh, I. I was raised in the church. I, I always tell this story because I think it's important. I have a great mom and dad. Um, I grew up in healthy church. I didn't grow up in unhealthy church. That's good. Grew up in a healthy children's ministry. Um, grew up in healthy Sunday school and uh, grew up in a healthy youth ministry. I mean, I was very fortunate to have what I had at First Baptist Church, Dalhart, Texas. And so it, it established a lot of things for me early on. Um, that some kids don't ever get to experience, you know, to, to be in something healthy. And so that's good. Um, I sat under Steve McMeans and Stephen Lowry, uh, Rodney Weatherly. I can name my pastors um, because guys that you respect and love and care about. And so that I think most of those guys are still serving in ministry at this point. And so uh, it was a sweet time, had good youth pastors. That's really and so good. Um, just so high school is a good time for you in, in, oh, in the man. church. And yeah, I mean, we experiencing the Holy Spirit. Um, in a Baptist group, church, uh oh, in, in youth group on Wednesday <laughs> nights and spring break retreats that were incredible, and um, got it early on established some things in me. And I'd been told since I was probably little that I was, you know, I bet you're going to be in ministry, maybe. And you always had a heart for it, yeah. Well, people just kind of saw those skills on me, but I, I didn't hear it from the Lord until I was around 21 years old. Hmm. Um, and actually, this I'm going to show my age. You ready for this? So the camp that I accepted to call the ministry was um, uh, Matt Chandler was speaking and Chris Tomlin was the worship leader. Really? And so those were the two guys that were there currently. And so I accepted to call the ministry after that camp. And then two years later, actually ended up at Calvary Baptist Vernon with Tommy Spencer. Um, and he wow. was the head pastor. So, yeah. So if y'all don't know, there's some people who don't know all the connections of the yeah. church. So I'm going to, Tommy uh, is actually our family uh, and pastor at TCAB. And yep. so anyway, he's known me since I was a freshman in high school. That's when I first met Tommy. He was my D now leader. Uh, when I was in a freshman and hey, you're school. dating Tommy now. So yeah, Tommy's been gray headed <laughs> since birth. I always, that's what I joke with him. So I've he, never known. He Tommy wears it well. Tommy. He does he got that Richard gear vibe. You know what I mean? So well, he wears it well and he yeah. has those nice black frame glasses he on. Does. He you does. Know? 
makes he, us, makes the rest of he us. He never th- ages. That's a good thing about turning gray early. It, it, he's looked the same age through. Well, man, everybody's been tracking mine, Brandy. So every year, any event, <laughs> birthday parties, so it's our anniversary's coming up, twenty years. And anyway, she has pictures up How there. How did you snag Brandy Taylor, by the way? I'll tell you that. that's a good story. <laughs> but you can see him up there in all these pictures, like and all the kids, like, hey, daddy, look down when your beard's all black, and then, yeah. hey, daddy, you had hair, and hey, daddy, yeah. no, it's great. Oh man, it's great. I got fast. a little bit right here, so. Yeah, it's coming. I know. Well, no, Brandy, that's a good story, and uh, has it, it's it's a long. It, we've shared it on the podcast a little bit before on uh, a couple of the marriage ones, but uh, man, I tell you what, the grace of God, the biggest act of grace God ever showed me was letting me marry Brandy Taylor because uh, I was like, if you love me enough to let me to trust me with her, her. and let me have this woman, how much better. You know, I mean, just to show me what a good God he was. Yeah. It's a neat testimony. Just, I will say this real quick. Uh, so, <laughs> so the, when we met, it was, I, it was blind date. I almost didn't call her because I'd been on one blind date and it was a horrible experience, dude. I'm just saying it was a bad experience. So I didn't want to do it again, but I felt like I was supposed to. I called her that night and, um, she didn't want to give her number either. So it was my aunt and my uncle that kind of were involved. Brandy used to answer the phone out of Trinity Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Got you. And uh, my aunt was out there. My, my, my uncle's an elder out there. My aunt was out there. She's an artist. She's painting all this stuff. And anyway, uh, did it. Had a conversation. Uh, she thought I was arrogant because <laughs> you know, you know, you're on a conversation. You're like, oh, yeah. so I'm saying, well, yeah, I play cello or I play piano, and I was a wrestler. And you know, I'm trying to all my good quality. It's like nobody does all that stuff. Anyway, I, I didn't. Was, she wasn't impressed. She, she wasn't impressed. She thought I was arrogant yeah. at first, but then she found out I really did do all those things. But I learned. And, uh, but anyway, we, I, I, I knew, I said, going to bed, and I heard the Lord say, you're going to meet your wife tomorrow. Went on a date. I knew immediately. Heck, wait, had you seen her at this point? No. Okay. Had not seen her. Uh, she's way better looking than you are. Dude, so shut up. Would, yeah. Hey, that listen. Would, that would be uh, well, actually, I don't need to say you shut up. You're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I agree. Okay. So, hey, but, but I've said this before. I used to be better looking. Yeah. Uh, Brandy's better looking no matter what happened. There's, there's no question. So, there's no question. no doubt. Uh, tender spirit too makes oh man she's she's something spirit. else showed up um <clears throat> and she saw me too and it's like i said i used to be better looking she thought i was good looking i used to have lots of, I had, that's all I, that matters i used to have awesome hair you could like take your hands and run it through there and anyway <laughs> it was have you always been ripped i've always worked out the fattest i ever got like out of shape like i saw spudgy when grant was being was born i was just busy dude and i saw some pictures when on grant's birthday the other i told you like january 10th so brandy had those i was like man i was I, that's the, I, I mean, for me, yeah, I was kind of pudgy at that point. But uh, other than that, yeah, I've always kind of worked out. You're known shit. as the Jack cello player at our church. I, you know, I, I, mean? so you know most men know, yeah. So it, whatever uh, people, that, at least the cello player depends on the yeah. season. You can't tell as much in the winter, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, uh, went on a date. Um, I knew that night. Uh, two, she knew within a few weeks. Had I two weeks after our first date, I bought a wedding ring. In fact, then I went and asked permission for her parents. Her parents knew. God knew this whole thing. And this, well, there's testimony that go before all this. Brandy and I had stepped totally away from dating, and we were committed and pressed into God. Um, only God could have or- orchestrated this to where everybody was on board and didn't freak out. Mm. From a, a month after our first date, so on her birthday, December, first date was like October 28th or something. December 3rd, asked her to marry me. We were married March 1st. Man. So you moved quick. Well, dude, I didn't need her. I didn't want her to find out all the dirt. I needed yeah, to seal that yeah. deal. You know what I'm saying? Yep. All right. But anyway, so that's how that testimony goes. Uh, and I'll tell you one thing. So we're getting back. So let's get into this really about what's serving and, and uh, what we're here to talk about tonight. And, and that really is something that Brandy and I have done a lot together, and that is to serve. Um, so before I kind of get into my perspective and the importance of serving, so I want to talk about two things really tonight, uh, serving within the church, but also just serving in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, that's uh, the title tonight, Serving in the Kingdom of Heaven. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are called to serve. Mm. And one of the first scriptures, really, that I, I kind of want to throw out there. Now, now this is the only scripture uh, that I'm going to use anyway tonight that uh, Jesus isn't saying directly. All the others Jesus is saying directly. But this is actually in Galatians 5, 13 through 14. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, uh, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Serve humbly one another in love. And I think that's important. We need to serve. The kingdom of heaven, if you've never done a ser- any research on the 
I know you have, but I'm just speaking to the audience. If y'all never researched what heaven is like, heaven is a servant's kingdom. That's it. Everybody serves in, in, in the kingdom of heaven, and you want to serve. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, just like it says, and Jesus taught us to pray, as it is in heaven, let it be so on earth, right? Okay, on earth as it is in heaven. So that includes serving. So anyway, that's kind of where I want to kick it off. I'll drop on it a little bit and get your thoughts because I, over the years, serving has become fairly natural for me. I love to serve, but you and I have had conversations before, and you've told me something different. Yep. Uh, I, I think I, growing up, I didn't, it wasn't a natural thing for me. It probably to this day is not more natural to me to just want to serve and do those things. I think, I do think for service, some people it's a discipline. And I think everybody has those aspects in your Christian life. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I don't have every fruit of the spirit. Some of those. <laughs> so are, you have to really work it. Yeah. Some some of those are disciplines that are added into my life that I see the value of those things. So I have to spend time on those things to understand how important and impactful those can be. Even those the even those the, those are not naturally in my tool belt. I've got to be able to continue to pursue those things. When when I'm weak, he's strong. You know what I mean? Um, in those things. And service is, to me, one of those things that not everybody is gifted in that. I mean, you can pay attention to deacons. There's certain guys that just carry the act of service. They do. You know what I mean? I can think of one right now, Loki Mata. Yep. I mean, he he's is. He's a brand new one. He's a brand new He deacon, is. So. I've known Loki, though, for about 10 years. Yeah. A little over, maybe. And I knew Loki before he got radically saved. And, in fact, I was very fortunate. Um, I was the one that actually got to baptize him. But, man, he had a radical moment. Mm -hmm. Road to Damascus. And yep. he was he and Lorene were amazing before, but they just naturally serve. Yep. Uh, and they have just a servant's heart. Wherever Loki goes, he'd give you the shirt off his back, man. He would. So, and, and the day we got to bring him his letter for to offer that to him, I'll never forget it. And he just wept. Um, because it's just in him, you know, yeah. that, that service. And so it's something that God naturally put in his tool belt, you know, that it's not something he has to try to get up and go do. Um, well, man, it was supercharged after he came to Jesus. Oh, so. for sure. He just loves people and loves to serve. And so um, I'm, I'm not a Loki Mata. I think more so it's a discipline that I've had to add into my life. And God's put me in platforms at this point to where that's a topic of conversation or it's something that I have to lead in. Um, and so I do think disciplines like that, can be beneficial um, in your life, even though it may not be your greatest strength. I think God can shine through some of those things that you're weaker in, but you're allowing God to work through those things anyways. Um, well, one thing that I want to encourage people is that if you're listening uh, or if you're watching, however you, you, you receive the podcast, I just want to go ahead and encourage you. We're not here to criticize at all. In fact, I mean, you know, it's important. We've all had these places where we've had to grow. In fact, I was an elder, um, and I was still serving heavily in other places, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But the Lord said, now I want you to really pour into your church. Uh, and that's when I backed out of those other areas yeah. and, and kicked these things up and stuff like that. Because there's seasons where God tells you where to serve. Mm -hmm. But um, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're supposed to serve. I think the problem is, is that we get sometimes so busy. Now, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I have five kids. He got a couple of them himself. He got four kids. And age range, like, well, you already told him a little bit. So your oldest is a freshman. Okay. Mm -hmm. my, my other three are, I have twin, identical twins, Presley and Campbell. They're 11, and then Titus is nine. Okay. So. And, you know, and so you, you still have, you know, I mean, you got a full house. But you, you always, you and Jenna both, man, it's incredible. Y'all serve well. From the moment y'all showed up uh, at TCAB, I mean, you hit the ground running i know part of that's your job but much of what you did has nothing to do with your job it's just you served and i and i, I know that you're busy you got all these things going on we got you, you even coach basketball i think and hey, kids inc hey, kids, yeah, yeah. Kids inc and i coach flag football for my boys and yeah so i love that i would have been a coach if i wasn't going to be in ministry so well i can see that yeah you know and if they had no or professional hunter you could have done yeah. that yeah <laughs> if god would open that door that would fantastic <laughs> there's some guys in our church that are way bigger hunters than i am that, that could be qualified to do that shout out to mount miller chris snyder some of those guys man those guys they're they, they get out Trey scales one of my good friends so there's some guys out there that can nathan caldwell there's a lot of guys in our church that are big time hunters well you know so Here's the thing. So I know that many of you listening are like, well, I just don't have time to serve. There are a lot of ways that you can serve. And, in fact, I have, you know, there's a ticker going on right now about just ways to serve inside the church. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, there's also ways to serve in the community. And it has never been more important, in my opinion, in history, especially in the history of the United States, uh, to invest in and defend and support and serve your local community. 
the world's upside down. Mm-hmm. And in pouring and serving, you're, you're, you're pouring into the community. Um, when you pour into the church, when you pour into people, you're strengthening your community. I know that I know certain people, and I'm not being critical, but sometimes you just you're so busy. You're going, I mean, you know, club ball and this and that, and you think, well, there's just not even five minutes. Well, I'll tell you, you could do, if nothing else, somebody who might be going through something, invite somebody to lunch. We all got to eat, you know, pour into somebody, you know, that's, that's a way to serve. Um, I'll tell you the first thing I really remember about now. Uh, I, I grew up in a church. I, it was not even, this was, this was just out of my mother's heart before it was really, it wasn't, I don't even, it wasn't being done through the church. I don't believe. And, um, but my mom, the, I was probably, it had been the early eighties. And I remember we went to someplace on the Northeast side of town and she took some groceries and this mama, single mama was going through some hard stuff. And I remember my mom sitting in there at the kitchen table talking to her. And I was just in the floor with these boys watching Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, and, but what I saw, yeah, I mean, it's, I saw, I, I grew up in uh, two different sides of, of, of town, uh, the Maverick Club wrestling and, every, and doing cello and piano and all other kind of stuff. On the Maverick Club, some of these kids were so poor they couldn't even afford a $15 pair of shoes. What happened is there was a seed put in me early on to serve, to see people. And, and I think that a lot of times we think, well, if I'm going to be in ministry or if I'm going to serve or if I'm going to do something, I have to allocate some huge amount of time. And I think that that is actually robbing you of blessing. Yep. You know, um, in fact, one scripture that, that I want to share with you that I think is kind of misused, and you can give me your thoughts on it. Um, and it has to do, and I'm going to break down the Greek just a little bit, but it actually has to do with Luke 6:38. Now you've heard this and it's always used as a, relates to money. And it's, it's, it is okay. It's good with money. I, I agree with that. But it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with every measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is also in the area of service. Take that very first word. Give. It is didomi. And it means to get. Now, I could break it down. It's a lot bigger than that. I broke it down in here. It says to give in various senses, liter- uh, literally and figuratively, um, but also to serve. If you go look this up in the Strong's Concordance, you'll see there's like this much stuff, different ways that you can serve and what this word means. And so you need to think about what, when I've heard this used for money, everybody's like, oh yeah, I'll give so that I have more coming back to me. But think about how does this relate when you serve and you're pouring into the kingdom of heaven? Well, I think like I, the example when I think about that verse, the I, I don't think sometimes the way you give and the way you serve. I think of like when we were in Honduras these last couple of times that we've been. When you're, it, it's really interesting to watch people to try to to do something and and to give themselves to something in the act of service when it's difficult and it's hard and it's not natural. And that kind of setting in Honduras, like the concrete. You don't have trucks. You don't have anything mixing it. And when you're mixing it yourself and you're having to do it and the burn that happens. Explain it a little bit because most people don't know. You call so them these, uh, uh, what y'all call them? We, uh, well, it's just a volcano that you volcano, create. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically where you're flipping the concrete and you keep the water in the middle and you just keep flipping from the outside. And so you're doing this with a shovel and you're doing it as fast as you can do it. And all the while you're doing it, you have people there that have never had concrete floors that are watching you and they're weeping while you're doing it. And That's so incredible. exhaustion hits you at a certain point. And so giving to me in that point, everybody's trying to be as the best they can be and they forget the value of each other when you do serve. And I think that's one of the best things about serving is that once you give yourself to it um, and you really start to think, okay, this is not just me. I'm not alone in this. God's with me in this. All of a sudden that burn that you think you're not going to get through, you start to crave it. And I think that's what happens in the act of service. A lot of times when you go to serve, you're like, ah, the enemy will make it feel unimportant. He didn't make it. He didn't want you to think it's significant. Yeah. It can be the smallest thing. And he'll burn a lot of people because they won't push through some of those areas of their life. Just like with that volcano. I mean, you're thinking, what, what does concrete matter to us? You know, why don't we just get a truck and mix it? And why doesn't it matter? In the, well, it matters in that moment because this has been cut out for you to be able to put that in their house. And you're the guy to do it. You know what Well, I mean? it's something they could never afford on their own. No. And that service comes out of you. And when you get through that fleshly part of you, man, like 
that's the best parts of who you are when you want to serve and you're through that flesh, you know, and now you're in your spirit, man, yeah. and you're doing concrete for someone. Oh, dude, it's it's deadly, man. And that's what I'm saying when you're here, even in the States and the things that you do, if we can press through that flesh and really get to our spirit, man, in that area of life, it's deadly for us to serve in that way. In a good way, I'm saying it's dangerous when Christians really learn uh, the value of what real service is to people, even in the smallest things. Um, well, one thing that you're talking to there has to it has to do with missions, but we now live in a mission field. Oh, for sure. There's missionaries here. I know. In the United States. Well, not just right here in Amarillo, Texas. Yep. Okay. Um, in, I can think of two different school districts in Amarillo where you have students who speak somewhere between 26 and 30 languages. Yep. In one school. Can you imagine how complicated? I mean, that's just complicated. So actually, we have some friends who, uh, the Penningtons, I don't know if you know uh, the Penningtons. They, I don't know if uh, I've Okay, yep. Yeah. Well, uh, if you weren't from here, you probably hadn't met him yet. But anyway, um, Russ Pennington, he and his family, his wife, they actually uh, served as missionaries in Asia for 17 years, Thailand, I believe. Mm. Um, and a neat, neat family. They uh, came back here on ministry a number of different ways, but he is now, there's a, 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 I don't know if it's a T-Fact church or if it's an extension, I don't remember exactly, but he basically heads that up over there mm-hmm. in the East Ridge area. Um, and he goes and, I mean, he's developed relationship and rapport um, with all the community. And, and so, like, there's times where we've had chickens that aren't laying anymore, right? Yeah. Okay, well, they like to kill their own chickens. So, don't, so what we do is we, put, we go to Lowe's and we get one of these small moving boxes. We put one live chicken per box. And we'll go into the community and give chickens away, and they love it, yep. you know. And uh, so there's like, so, hey, that's another thing. If you're like trying to give chickens away, there's, don't just kill them or whatever. Little small things. Yeah. I mean, it'll take you an hour. I can, th- these are people that we can connect you with where you can go out into these fields. Well, we also have new ways that are coming to serve. Mesa Verde. All right. So tell a little bit about just kind of that. A lot of people may not know about it. I know we've talked a little bit from the pulpit, but I mean, that's what are we trying to do there? I think Mesa Verde is going to be a local outreach um, for our church as a whole, because I think a lot of the things when you think about church and you think about the church at Bushland and places to serve, you have your, you know, your door greeters, you have your guest connect, you have deacons, you have elders, you have um, Wednesday nights, um, whether it be youth ministry, whether it be children's ministry, preteen, life groups, all those things. But I think this opens up a whole nother avenue that's going to be a little bit more hands-on yeah. and probably a little bit more uncomfortable um, to some degree um, because it's not, it's going to be one of those things you have to push through your flesh, man, and you're going to have to access a lot of the spirit through those things because it's language barriers. There's going to yeah. be language barriers. How do we even reach those people? And I think the, the biggest thing is um, we've got to come to an aspect where we're reaching a need and therefore we can share the gospel out of that. You know what I mean? And so I think outreach in the aspects of when we do Easter egg hunts in Bushland, they're going to, there's going to be at Mesa Verde. When we do VBSs, there's going to be a Mesa Verde VBS. There's going to be all kinds of opportunities to me, backpack drives and food drives and things we just haven't had at the church at Bushland that I think God's handed those keys to us for a specific reason. Um, and Jeff preached a sermon two years ago. It was actually the first sermon I ever heard when I was considering, I just pushed on one when I was considering coming. Um, that was the sermon that I heard. He preached about the Lord given, given a building eventually to us. And so that to, That's me, pretty is, neat. That to me is going to open a whole nother avenue for people to get their hands dirty a little bit in aspects of that's different than the way that we serve at the church at Bushland, you know, um, a lot more, uh, tangible things, a lot more, um, hard lines to work through, um, and being able to have to just whatever it is, if it's an Easter egg and being with a kid and holding their hand, whatever it is, you know, it's going to be simple. I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be meaty. There's going to be medium ground. I think it's going to be everything that anybody wants out of that thing. It's, and I, I don't even think we fully know what it's all going to be yet until we get on the ground there. Um, well, ironically, I didn't put Mesa Verde on here because that kind of, that actually kind of crosses both, both of the chasm of uh, serving within the, in the church, but also serving in the community. Yep. Um, you know, there's, 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 if you're not in a, a small group, I keep calling them life groups, we're changing the name, whatever, but what are they, they're the same thing. They, they make the big church small and you create incredible relationships. We have a phenomenal life group, have phenomenal people in our group. Just, they're like family. We love them. 
And through that, um, create comes opportunities to serve too. So my first thing that I would tell you guys that if you're not in a small group, uh, you, you need to get connected. Um, you can reach out, you know, Pastor Mark. Uh, even if you need to, if you don't know Pastor Mark, you need Pastor Tommy to make an introduction, go out to the pill barn. Um, there, or, or there's going to be opportunity, uh, I know, especially in the fall, uh, to get more plugged in. I think uh, probably August time frame. But there's just get in a life group. Because take our life group, for example. If you'll remember a while back, heck, golly, I don't even know. Probably in the summer. I uh, really cannot remember to be honest with you. Things in the summer. Could have been early fall, but Emerald Angels, Gwen Hicks, I think is yeah. her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, yeah. Presented at the church at Bushland. Presented at the church at Bushland. Mm-hmm. And that made its way in. So then uh, in our life group, well, before they actually remember part of our life group, uh, Amy and Johnny Crowley, uh, I saw them at church one day. They were foster parents. Mm-hmm. And neat, neat, neat family. You've actually been on the podcast before if you've, if you've listened to the podcast. Their daughter, Courtney Crowley, if you've uh, gone to any of the teachings that she's done on there Israel. on campus, on Israel. We also, you can go back, there's a podcast that she came here. We're, we're going to do some more in the future as well. Uh, really neat family. But they had 24 kids go through their house um, in fostering. But anyway, they came, spoke to our life group, created opportunity, you know, for this Emerald Angels things, and our life group is adopted. And we finally now have the family and the kids, and it's tangible. And we're able to start helping them. And it's cool watching how, you know, so we have some people designated to actually interface so we don't, yeah. the whole life group doesn't show up and just scare these people, you know. But, I mean, it's cool. These are, there's so many different ways that you can serve. Um, but do you think, I think hitting on a topic with you mentioning that, I think, fostering is an underrated oh thing. man and, and, yeah and here's the thing i think all of us as christians we we come against abortion and we we're not for those things but the more that disappears the more the fostering door is going to continue to open you know what i mean it because is in the adoption there's, door there's some people that aren't ready yeah. to be parents and they're going to give birth to kids and so i think as believers we've always got to be open to the idea of fostering and it's in the word. We got to take care of orphans and widows. Orphans and widows, you know. And so, well, and that's um, actually another thing you talk about orphans and widows. Well, there's opportunity. There's you know how many going to these nursing homes, and I know now you can go. You can call. There's but like there's so many people that are lonely that just if you were to show up, maybe you have. I'll tell you this. I, so Brandy's grandmother is in not really a nursing home, but assisted living or whatever. And I'll show up, and some of these people, I, my soul connects to some of these people better that are closer to the World War II era type people, you know, because just Main Street America, you know, uh, good just – and I – these. but if you have a maybe just a, a calling that every now and then on a Saturday or Sunday, you know people you can just go sit down and have conversations with, um, that too is serving. Back on the fostering thing, though, is also – I mean, think – we – live in i mean an absolutely insane time where we know in america that at least at least 65 million babies have been aborted okay and what's crazy in the state of new york there's a negative birth rate amongst the black community have you seen heard that stuff okay so to your point i mean as a christian i mean if somebody i mean if god put it in front of us that hey this kid, I'm going to have you take care of this We've kid. We've got to consider those things. Then we have to absolutely consider those things. And so maybe you're listening to this, and this came up, and all of a sudden something that's been on your heart, and you're like, oh, you got the butterflies and flutters. Maybe that's God telling you this is some kind of confirmation to look into it. Um, so there's so many ways you can serve. Uh, another thing I want, I want to talk about, two different things on, on the, in the areas of servants, um, is inside the church and then the community. Mm-hmm. So inside the church— um, I know there's a number of areas that, that people are like, well, how can I serve inside the church? And so I'm going to kind of kick it off to you, Punt, and tell us where to start. I, I kind of break these things down into there's simple, simple service is what I would call it. Um, you've got where you can be door greeters. I mean, there's nothing like coming to church and being greeted, man. Especially by somebody that, with a nice smile. It's a yeah. little bitty thing, but it's a big thing um, because people are going to start – they're going to start looking at your church from the parking lot. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's important that there's friendly faces. It's important that people feel welcome because I I believe Jesus is that way. You know, there's no Um, question. I agree. um, And so it can be as simple as connecting with desk or guest connect, which most of our women serve in that aspect and guest connect. Um, We also, I think what What are you saying? You don't want the ugly guy like me is bald and bearded serving in guest connect. No, we'd rather have Brandy there. Um, (laughs) And so there's there's all the sweet ladies that serve there do such a good job. And, 
Um, and yeah, they so do. they it's, really do. It's a sweet opportunity to serve in that area just because you're constantly connecting people with our church or with events or different things that are that are needed in that area. And so some people get confused with electronics and apps. And so that guest connect is a great way to just help people through those things. And so good. I'm going to give a shout out to Miss P because Miss P solves a lot of app issues there. Um, <laughs> yeah. and Jeff's wife. And yeah. so she's very good at she is. Uh, making sure that our people are taken care of and the app confusion sometimes. And, you know, that's a big deal to have some an outlet there. And so that's an area that's a really good place to serve. Um, we have Wednesday nights. Uh, we have preteen ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry. I'm on the ground. He call, Jeff calls me the shepherd on the ground on Wednesday nights. And you so, are. It's good. Um, and we have our our pre um, our nursery through uh, kindergarten also that meets. And so it's. And I've it's, heard Jeff talking about the nursery from the pulpit about how selfish they're. I don't know, man. <laughs> I uh, the nursery's a great place, man. I don't experience that th- those things. So every time I go, Huff has it under control. And, yeah. Um, you know. No, there's no kids them. fighting so, over a toy or nothing. Yeah, not, not, not that I've seen, but I love babies. I'm kind of partial. So. Well, I'll tell you what, I do love babies. Yeah. There, there's, you know, I don't know if your experience is this. You know, we've talked about the treble teeth. Twos weren't bad at all, man. It was three. Three was always the hard age, man. I think fifth and sixth is really hard. That's where, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Is that now. where you're at now? So well, I'll tell my, you what. So, so I think that difficult. 18, 16, 11, 10, and 8 are hard. Yeah. They're, I think every age is. And I think it's meant to teach us. I'm so, pretty sure I got all my kids' ages right yeah. <laughs> I'm not good with that. So <laughs> you, think, you took a chance. I did, I did, I'm not I did and it's chance, recorded here. So, so. Yeah, I'm not going to take a chance. I will say, I usually do pretty good with birthdays and all that kind of stuff. But one time I was taking Tegan to the clinic and uh, she was sick. And I was in there, you know, I asked, like, what's what she asked, her, asked me, what's her middle name? Dude, I could not remember her middle name. Mm-hmm. I totally blanked. I said, her last name is Taylor. <laughs> but I, at least I eventually got it. But I did know her birthday. So anyway. Yeah, I get confused on those things. I can't tell you probably the years they were born. They always ask me at like the, you know, when I'm filling out stuff and I'm like, I have to sit there and really think about it. So I'm not good with dates like that. So it's not my gifting. So dates are not, well, no. well I'll tell you what. So, okay. So you talked about the Wednesday nights, the, the nursery. Um, I know that there's some, some real needs um, on the teen side of things. Oh, for sure. Um, I know that. Steven, you know, is back there doing a good job, um, but there's it's there's a lot going on. I mean, in in you with teens, that's a very complicated age, and so I know for a fact that, I mean, listen, if you if you have kids that are you know going to to church and you have a heart to serve in some capacity in the ark, um, we would love to talk to you, and uh, because the, one of the things that they need is that there's a lot of different personalities and you have the kids who are kind of the introverts, the kids that are the extroverts, kids that are the sport into the sports. And I mean, that's a rough age and it's never been harder in my opinion to be a teenager than it is right now. It's like being in Babylon, man, everything's at your fingertips. And so what are you going to stand for? You know? Oh, so, and in the persecution that goes along with it, you're going to eat the King's meat or you're going to, choose to be set apart, you know, so it's, it's a big deal for what our youth are in the middle of right now. So that's a hard, that's a, I think a lot of people are intimidated by youth. And I think this is why, because re youth can read your mail. Oh, they can. They know whether you're real or whether you're fake. Um, they know those things. And so I think people are intimidated sometimes by youth because, or I think some people didn't live righteous in that aspect of their life during yeah. that time. And so they feel almost a guilty conscious that I can't really tell this person to do because of, and they forget that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So if you came to know Christ, then you have the authority to go back into those situations and love on those kids. And hopefully they won't make the same mistakes that you do. Um, and you don't do that sitting on your couch on a Wednesday night. You do that by getting up and serving and facing some of those things. Um, yeah. Um, because God's good. Um, no matter how bad we work, God's always good and he can always work. Well, I was pretty bad, but actually I have a heart for him <laughs> on Wednesday nights. In fact, that's one of the things. So I want to sit with Steven and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk. I want and, and so if you have a heart to serve or you feel like, you know, let you come, come talk to pastor Kate, uh, he can kind of get you lined up into the right directions and go, go talk to pastor Steven, you know, sure. I mean, and talk to him directly and say, Hey, listen, we want to serve. Um, and, and just, he doesn't know exactly where to put you. Just show up and stand in the back, <laughs> you know? I mean, and because kids will be drawn to you. It's about relationship. I, and I'll, I'll say this. I think the two areas 
we, we've got a lot of health happening in the area of service and our volunteers and our church makes that healthy. Um, but two areas, just the youth ministry and just, uh, I would say the media side of things. Um, both of those areas can be intimidating, you know, but Brandon, if you're ever around Brandon, who yeah, he does a good job, a, got a, got a servant's heart he does. Um, and a good dude. But you know, just those are the two areas that I feel like sometimes we just have some gaps with people being invested, involved. And so if you, want to serve in those areas, man. Those I, are incredible areas to serve in um, and great opportunities to see the Lord do great things through it. So. Well, and I would encourage you this. Don't be intimidated by it. Um, it, it. The camera thing, they put you on a schedule. You know, you'll you'll usually, it, it, you know, you'll show up for, you know, one Sunday, but you'll have quite a, you know, maybe two, three weeks off. So the more people we can get plugged in and doing it, the better it'll be. And Titus, Titus is in fourth grade and does it and loves it and so yeah. both of my boys serve in that area and love it and it's it's not a hard thing i think it's just a willingness to to be a part so if you attend the ten thirty, you can come and film at nine you know what i mean you don't always have to do it it's not every week um you can get on a rotation that's exactly right so it's brandon is such a good dude and he's a fun guy to serve with and um, he'll make it easy for you he will he really so, will i know you think you have to know how to do all this equipment nope he'll say listen this is what i need you to do Here's, and, and, and he'll get you lined out. Yeah. So those are two areas. I think youth ministry, um, as Stephen has started this year, I think it's just hard to get your team together and continue to work through that. And, um, yeah, just would love for some people that feel called to help in youth. It would be awesome. And so Stephen and Jamie are over there working hard. So those are the areas that we kind of need, I think. so. Well, the only other thing that I, I kind of want to touch on um, just a little bit, just briefly. And so I was uh, serving in the community, um, you know, as I had some of these things up here. You know, you can see uh, I have Faith City Hope Choice. So at Faith City, um, I've always had a heart for, in fact, that is that is where I really cut my teeth um, and found out how much of an evangelist uh, I was and that I had a calling in my life to lead people to Christ. Mm. I've got to lead many, many, uh, many. Really? To, to, You're uh, an evangelist? I, <laughs> I am through and through, kind of like you, brother. That's why we get along, all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But that I have so many people look past the homeless because, oh, they're addicts and they're drunks. They just need to quit all this stuff. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you one story. That, that, so there's, and I did a lot of mentoring of, of men. They actually, most of them were older than me. Um, but there's one guy in particular. His name was Patrick. So Patrick Corn, if you happen to listen to this, I just want to tell you, man, I love you. And I've missed you. Reach out to me. Um, he kind of goes dark on me every now and then. But he has one of the most, he, he grew up. Um, and he, he went through the program. So Faith City has a, mm -hmm. uh, an addiction recovery program. You live in for a year. They're attending our men's retreat this year. It's they're awesome. No, yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's awesome. They're, they're, Shep and them. Yeah. Yeah. He, they're coming. So Faith City Ministry and Life Challenge. Uh, that's, so that's, that's awesome. Both those are yeah. our men's retreat this year. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, Patrick and I, so we spend a lot of time together. Um, and I just, he had such a, a, a beautiful heart. I mean, golly, had he not grown up in the circumstances that he did, uh, I, this guy would have been a pastor. He just had that heart. But when he was two years old, his, his granddaddy started getting him drunk. Mm. By the time he was six years old, they were getting him high. And he, he, it was never his desire. He was set up from the beginning to fail. And, but he, he did everything he could to come out of it. And he didn't, he's, he's really, really an amazing guy. My point is, you look and say, well, they're homeless. And it, it, some of this stuff, many times, it's not their fault. And sometimes it is. But these people, let me tell you why I like them so much, is that when I go and I preach other places, just regular church folk and everything else, um, and you, the, there's all these facades. Everybody's got this yeah. facade up there. You have to chip through all this stuff. Let me tell you something. This group of people, they know they need help. They know they need salvation. They know they need Jesus. And they are some of the most receptive and open-hearted people to the gospel that I've ever been around. And it's a great experience. Um, I could tell you story after story. I might share one before we close. It's kind of, kind of, it's, it's a really cool story. And it's kind of funny. Uh, and the other place, to, so then the Lord, I was on the board there at uh, Faith City for about seven years. Great group. Um, but then the Lord really kind of said, I want you and Brandy to do something together. So we moved over to uh, Hope Choice. And then we started teaching parenting classes and things. And then the Lord wanted us to write parenting curriculum um, geared directly towards them. Did, and so we did this for a number of years. And then we stepped back from that a couple of years ago when we started doing all of this. Um, but some of the most amazing people I've ever met, it's really just the people, a lot of the people that were at Faith City, the hope choice were the next step. Now that we're going to get kids back and whatnot, right? So these were some of the most fulfilling. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. 
uh, Tuesday nights were usually the class. And so you go through work and you have kids. And you know, All right, we've got to be there at 6 o'clock. But by the time we left at 7.30 or 8, we were so glad that we went. It was always so fulfilling. And that's what serving is. Serving is it's far greater to serve than to receive. Gifts, just like that. I mean, it's far greater to serve. Um, but is there any other place that you can think of here in town, ways that you can get, we can get people plugged in, then I'll tell the story and we'll wrap it up. Um, I think I think Hope Choice always has opportunities, um, whether it be in the high school, the junior high. Um, that's right, those, all their those, stuff, yeah. The, that age level is, is, is really pretty – that's pretty crucial, you know, I mean, to get into the high schools. I think there's different aspects of maybe where you can't go serve from a Christian platform in the school. I think – uh, here's here's a concern. In the lead program yeah, out there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's a concern for me. I feel like education has taken a major hit. Yeah, it is. Um, spiritually, physically, mentally, um, our teachers. There's a shortage. Um, there's all kinds of things that are happening. I think in any avenue of a way you can encourage an administrator, a teacher, um, whether that just being one of the school and leaving stuff on their desk or asking to, I think in, in any type of service in the realm of education, loving on people in that realm right now is crucial because I think what's scary is the quality of people that are leaving. It's not the quantity, mm-hmm. but it's the quality of people that are leaving education right now that's it, that's kind of hard to watch and there a lot of those are big influences over our children and a thing um and i think one word of encouragement sometimes from god can get somebody through the rest of the year because that's how powerful his word is when it's spoken to somebody and it's given to them that's right in the right moment they can get through babylon you know what i mean they can get through a hard circumstance and well, you're know, touching on an important one of the things that we need are people to actually serve on these school boards yeah. And to fight for our administrators, to fight for our teachers. Yeah, because it's one thing to say in your churches, this is what we believe, but it's a whole other thing to have to go stand up for what's right for your teachers, people that are, that get pinned, you know, in a corner and don't know what to do. I think I think we got a lot of teachers that feel that aspect. And so I think the church and as believers, we got to figure out how more we can be involved in serving in those aspects. Because a lot of times we just look at those things and say they're, they're political and we don't want to be involved in those things. But, I mean— to, to some degree, a lot of things are political. You know what I mean? Even church can be that way. And well, it's um, not just that. This is still our community, and God has called you us to— fight for it, man. Absolutely. And you can't do that by drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to do this, God. Uh, I don't think we get permission to ever tell God we're not going to do something. And so if it's outreach and it's an opportunity to make a difference in somebody that is making a difference in kids every day of their life, and they're good at what they're doing, they're called to it, and somebody's trying to take that call from them— Ooh, we better rise up and fight for it's those good. kind of people. You know what I mean? It's worth it. And so I just want to say to teachers, like, we see your struggle right now. And administrators, we see their struggle, and we see what you're going through. Um, and we've got to figure out as church and believers how we can back them, how we can support them. Um, and I think sometimes we think it's too big and it's too huge. And I want to tell you this about Jesus. He is the most simple, most profound man that's ever walked this earth. That's right. And if we will sit with the Lord— and we will ask, God, how can I make a difference in a teacher's life? How can I make a difference at the school that my kids are at? I promise you, Jesus will give you simple ideas that will be profound in the area of education for people. And it will change your districts. But we're not willing a lot of times to sit and to ask because we think it's too huge and it's too far far gone. Um, well, the, it starts with one step. Rise with one phone call. Yeah. It's, it, you know, you don't have to go and solve every problem. Just just show up. That. It's kind of like, uh, you know. Be involved in a school board meeting. Yeah, Figure go, out what's going on, what's being taught. Go ask I mean, what's in the library. That's a good first step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, don't be a water boy that just shows up for certain things. I mean, really get invested and involved um, and figure out how you can make a difference and not just be a negative voice either. Um, how can we really make a difference and make impact? Take you know? kingdom into the community. For sure. I, I'm, I'm passionate about teachers and education because they influence our kids so much. Um, and they have real value um real value value. and real problems so and there and i think it's an unspoken voice right now a lot of them feel trapped and don't know what to do um they feel like people have good ideas and say the right things in a lot of the realms of the church and everything else but then when push comes to shove they they end up resigning you know because there's no backing How, how can we back those people and god knows how to do that there are people that you are good at administration and management putting things for example we talk you know hey what are we doing about, you know, our school? What's in our school? Who's sitting on our school board? Who, so what we should do is if you're good at things like this, hey, let's put a list together. Here's when the next school board meeting yeah. is going to happen. And let's say I, we're trying to get at least 10 people to go. 
All right, with us. I mean, get on that list. I mean, somebody has a calling to do this, and and I encourage you. These are there's so many ways to serve, and, and you know, it's just these are great ideas and opportunities. You probably there's so many things you could do that we haven't spoken of, but I want to share one story because the one thing I'll tell you is that when you have when you finally when you go step out and serve, and you see um, you see fruit, you'll be you'll be totally in. Um, my very first time to show up at Faith City to preach. Brandy had come to watch, you know, and because I didn't really know what to expect. And there were about 80, 100 people in the room, and it's just chapel. I mean, it was not the – they had several of them. So this was chapel for the homeless. Um, and there, it's when they were still in the downtown, their older building over here. And so I'm, I'm preaching. I, can, I don't really – I don't even remember what I preached. I, have, I couldn't tell you. But there, there was this guy that came in, and he was like just – like a lion. He wouldn't sit down. He was just in the very back, just uh, pacing back and forth. And I'd say Jesus, and he'd stop, and he'd look at me. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm about to get in. Get, <laughs> to get in some deliverance. Yeah, stuff, I, might, right? I might be fixing to get into something I wouldn't yeah. call for. So, we, I mean, is it the, the message goes, I have a salvation call. We have some people get saved. And, I mean, I'm like on cloud nine. Like, yeah, people. And so, but Brandy's back over here, and so I'm going to walk to where she is. And this guy's over in this corner. And he kind of quit pacing, but he was in a corner, and he just kind of had his arms folded, and he was just looking at me. And, uh, and so I'm walking to Brandy. As I leave and I'm walking to the back, I see this guy coming. And he meets me. I mean, we just, I mean, right when I, he, gra- he grabs me, I was like, I don't know what was fixing to happen. Do I need to take him down? And, and then he just starts bawling. He says, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you. I need Jesus. He just started hugging me. I mean, he, and just, he was just totally broken. And his name was Jimmy. I remember his name was Jimmy. And I saw him several times after that, and I don't know what happened to Jimmy, but we had, we cried together, we prayed together, and I saw fruit. And, and it was one of those things that that day I was sold. I was like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I think all of us have that. I want to encourage you just to, to find your niche and to, to get out there and to serve doesn't have to be 20 hours a week, 10 hours a week. It's just, but, but serve. Figure out what you're good at. Figure out where you want to get plugged in. Try something. You may try something and realize that, hey, that's not your thing. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but don't, don't step back and not serve and, because it's important. You want to receive that blessing and you want to pour into the kingdom of heaven. Any final thoughts? I think if you're looking for somewhere to start, I would say this. Starts on your knees. If you that's pray, good. that's exactly right. That's where Daniel changed all of Babylon. He didn't even have to move. He, all he did was surrender his life to the Lord and he prayed. And God opened the doors for him to step into things just out of his prayer life because there was nothing in his character they could find. Yeah. And so if you will get on your knees and ask the Lord, where do you want me and where do I need to be used? God will place a foundation underneath your feet that will be firm and it will be a place that you can plug into. I just firmly believe that. It starts with your prayer life. You can't you can't do what God tells you to do without talking to him. That's exactly right, man. So That's a good that word. That's my final thought. So. That's a good word. Well, thanks again for joining us today, you know. And if, listen, if there's is there, if there's anything that we can do to help pray for you, reach out to us at the church at Bushland. We have incredible uh, staff, pastors, people. If you have never attended the church, we would love it. Final thoughts, if you are not subscribed on YouTube, go to YouTube. Please subscribe to the church at Bushland. So that way when we put these new podcasts out, help us to like it, and it will send it out to more people so that they too might be blessed by this. Thank you for joining, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.